This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Sawyer and Susie went on an adventure through Canada, exploring everything from old Quebec to the frozen Yukon. But when it came time to leave, they had missed their four o'clock window and were unable to look at a big clock in time to transport them home. Stuck in the middle of nowhere in the freezing Yukon, Sawyer and Susie started to panic. Lucky for them, Grandpa Boone showed up to save the day, but he wasn't happy to be there. And now for episode three, Russia, putting it all on the line. 
Sawyer and Susie felt like they'd been standing in front of their grandpa in silence for hours, and the freezing Yukon wind was starting to pierce through their coats. Grandpa Boone didn't look even remotely concerned with the sub-zero temperatures. He just looked down at them as one does to a dog that had just peed on the carpet. Sawyer tried to think on his feet. Grandpa, I know how this looks, he said, but... It was the Canadians' fault. They kidnapped us and brought us out here. Look, I know Barry and Harry seem really nice and that they do just about anything to make you happy, but they're secretly crazy. Susie shook her head and rubbed her temples. Grandpa looked equally unimpressed. Enough, he said. I can't believe you two deliberately disobeyed me. And worse, broke the most important rule I'd given you, to look at a clock at 4 p.m. sharp. Susie was starting to tear up. Grandpa, I'm sorry, she said. We were careless and naive and I should have been keeping better track of the time. I know I can't count on Sawyer to do it. He's practically incapable of following directions. So I take full responsibility. Sawyer nodded along to everything she said until that last part about him. Wait, what? Grandpa squeezed his beard as if he was wringing out a rag full of his stress. At least you're both safe. It could have been a lot worse. If you only knew the power you're playing with, what on earth am I going to tell your parents? Can we just take the next flight home before they find out? Sawyer asked. Grandpa threw his head back. Ha! Do you have $5,000 on hand? Sawyer shrugged. No, but I'm sure you do. You're like rich. Grandpa's bushy eyebrows frowned like angry caterpillars about to strike. Even if I did, what makes you think I'd blow it on you? Besides, the airport is shut down and all flights are at a standstill for what is sure to be the biggest snowstorm of the season. Congratulations, you've officially stranded yourself on an ice cube. Oh, Grandpa, Susie cried. Tell me we're not stuck here. There has to be another way. Even Sawyer was starting to cry a little. Who knows, maybe it was because of that weird twin connection thing or something. They're going to find us all hunched over in blue, he said between sobs. And there'll be icicles growing out of my nostrils, and my hands will be all curled up like this. Enough, Grandpa said. You think I'd be foolish enough to come out here and freeze alongside you? Please, I'm far too selfish for that. I brought the globe, and lucky for you, I happen to have a lot of practice stopping it where I want. Susie gasped. Oh, I knew it! Grandpa, you've saved us! She threw her arms around his neck. Setting her down, Grandpa walked over to his sled and pulled the globe out of a bag. Sawyer's heart nearly stopped at the sight of it, like Grandpa had pulled a poisonous cobra out of the bag. That ball had almost gotten them killed. Now, Susie, you hold the lantern, Grandpa instructed, handing her the light. Sawyer, you stand right over there and pray I don't land on Antarctica. I can do that. Sawyer said, taking a step back. Grandpa took a deep, cold breath and gave the globe a good spin. It turned and turned, making the countries blur in the flickering light of the lantern. Grandpa's shaking finger raised towards it. As the finger made its approach, curiosity overcame Sawyer. How did Grandpa get it to stop where he wanted? He thought. That could really come in handy. And with that, he was convinced he had to see how it was done. So slowly, he crept up behind his grandpa to peek over his shoulder. But just as he was within snooping distance, he slipped on the ice. Oof! 
Sawyer's shoe shot out behind him and he fell forward onto his grandpa's back, giving him a hard push. The push forced grandpa's finger onto the globe before it was ready. The ice and stars around them stretched into the globe until they were surrounded by echoing darkness that spat light back at them until they were left struggling for balance in a little boat. What was once dark frozen sheets of ice was now a beautiful canal surrounded by old buildings. Sawyer could tell immediately they were nowhere near home. Whoops, was all he could say. Grandpa caught his breath. It had obviously been a while since he'd traveled by globe, and he'd forgotten how overwhelming the experience could be. He faced Sawyer. Whoops! Whoops! I'll give you a whoop! He looked like he was ready to toss Sawyer overboard. Luckily, Susie jumped in before he could entertain the thought. Wait, Grandpa! Can't we just spin it again? Grandpa sat down in the boat. It doesn't work that way. You can only use the globe's magic once every 24 hours. After you travel home by clock at 4 p.m., the magic restarts. I'll need to call your parents and tell them you're staying a bit longer. Hopefully, for all our sakes, they don't ask too many questions. Grandpa pulled out a cell phone from his pack and made the call. Sor and Susie were impressed with how composed he was during the whole conversation. You'd think he was just calling for his routine Sunday chat. After a few chummy goodbyes, he hung up the phone and immediately looked like a crazy person again. Now, Gramps, said Sawyer, before you lose your cool, just know that I'm still cold and uncomfortable here. So if it makes you feel any better, I'm still suffering. Psh! Grandpa shook his head. I think you need more of a consequence. You today have no discipline. No wonder your parents didn't prod me for answers. They sounded almost happy to get a break from you. I'm surprised they aren't sending adoption papers. Sawyer's head recoiled. Dang, Grandpa, that was harsh. Grandpa waved at him. I'm kidding, but my face is still angry. Now where's that guidebook? Ah, here it is. He pulled out the old book and flipped through it. Susie looked confused. Can't we just float around until four so we don't miss our window? Why do we have to use the guidebook? Grandpa put on his reading glasses and lifted his nose to get a better look at the chapter headings. Nope. The guidebook is king. We must always follow its instructions. That's how the magic works, and all magic has an order, a set of rules to abide by that allow it to work. Break the rules, and the magic is not bound by them. He flipped through the pages faster and then stopped. Where is... Ah, here we are. Venice, Italy. Whoa, look at that cool building, said Sawyer, pointing to a structure coming into view as they turned a corner in the river. Grandpa looked up and did a double take. Coming into view was a magnificent cathedral with intricately engraved walls and towers with caps that looked like golden green swirling ice cream cones. Oh no, Grandpa said under his breath. It had to be Russia. It's incredible, said Susie as they floated closer to it. Can we go inside? Grandpa flipped to the chapter on Russia. Not in the guidebook. We're in St. Petersburg, Russia. So it says, let's see, our first stop is the Hermitage, one of the largest and oldest museums in the world. If I remember correctly, the boat should take us there. Boo, museums are boring, said Sawyer, plopping down onto a seat. Ah, yes, traveling through a magical globe to one of the most renowned collections of priceless works of arts is a complete bore. Sawyer raised his eyebrows. Well, when you put it that way... Susie beamed. 
Ooh, I love art. Can I see the guidebook? Grandpa handed it to her. Help yourself. In no time, they were at the steps of the Hermitage. It was a stunning pastel green mansion adorned with white columns that were capped off with golden moldings. The place looked regal, fit for the fairest royal family in all the world. This, of course, made Susie squeal with excitement. Sawyer rolled his eyes. Oh, please, enough with the princess stuff, he said. Oh, get over yourself, Susie replied. She looked over the first set of instructions. It says here to find the painting titled The Desert Harmony in Red by Matisse. Grandpa, do you know where we can find? What are you looking for? Grandpa was rummaging through his pack. I know it's here somewhere. Ah! He pulled out a red button-up shirt and held it up. It wasn't pretty, but Grandpa looked it over like it was an expensive wedding tux. Wait here, I'll be right back. And within minutes, he had run into a public restroom and came out with a blindingly bright shirt on. My lucky shirt. I never tour Russia without it. He winked. Okay. Sawyer and Susie exchanged a look. Inside, the Hermitage was even more spectacular than Susie could have dreamed up in one of her princess fairy tales. Every grand room and corridor was full of decorative wall carvings, crystal chandeliers, dome ceilings, and of course magnificent works of art. Paintings from masters like Da Vinci, Greco, Picasso, and Van Gogh filled its halls. A hasty little man in a suit approached them, his receding hairline reflecting the room's lights. You take too long. Stop stare and follow me, said the man in a thick accent. He turned and started his march down the hall, spatting off details of every painting around them. When he spoke, he did so as if he was addressing a massive tour group, despite the group being just the twins and their grandpa. His tone lacked the enthusiasm of one who'd given the tour a bazillion times before. My name's Victor. I will be your tour guide. Are we all ready to go? Everyone? You like Russia? It's beautiful place, much better than USA. Uh, do not leave group. You touch painting, you die. You stray from group, you die. You speak too loud, you die. You die, you die. Grandpa interrupted. The desert harmony in red? He asked in perfect Russian. Victor looked deeply offended by this. You don't like my English? Is not good enough for you? Oh, no, no, your English is adequate. We're simply short on time and wish to see our favorite work from the great Matisse. Victor's nose twitched as he looked them up and down. Harmony in red is be cleaned. Sawyer and Susie could tell their grandpa wasn't impressed with his response. After a few paintings, while Victor was in the middle of one of his memorized history lectures with his back to them, they snuck away. I don't feel good about this. Grandpa said, marching quickly through the halls. If I remember correctly, it should be right... They turned a corner, and there in front of them was an empty space on the wall surrounded by caution tape. Here. Grandpa closed his eyes and clenched his jaw. It's gone. Well, duh, said Sawyer. That's what Victor just told us. Grandpa shook his head. It's not being cleaned. It's been stolen. See there, the holes in the wall? The hardware that hangs the painting has been ripped out. Cleaning a masterpiece entails careful removal from the wall while keeping the hardware intact. And look at this pathetic caution tape. <laughs> this was a rushed, careless job. 
Something moving in the guidebook caught Susie's eye. She looked down at the pages to see the next set of instructions changing, the sentences fading out into the paper and then fading back with new words. Um, Grandpa, something's happening, she said. Grandpa rushed over to her side. Not again, he said. What do you mean, not again, she asked. Why is the guidebook changing? Grandpa scratched his beard nervously. Whenever something is changed from the original set of instructions, the guidebook tries to fix the problem. It will try to make everything right, to restore order. What? The book's going to try to find the painting? asked Sawyer. Grandpa shook his head. It's going to make us find the painting. They all looked down at the new set of instructions. It read, A person within a person lies at the foot of Shamanka Rock. Lake Baikal awaits you. Using the set of Globetrotter tickets in the guidebook, they took the next plane to Lake Baikal near the southern Mongolia-Russia border. After a never-ending boat ride across the enormous lake, they hiked along the shore until they reached Shamanka Rock, a peninsula with two towering rock outcrops. At the head of the trail that led to the rocks was a tiny wood cabin that leaned to one side. Somebody lives in that? asked Susie. There's no way they get internet out here said Sawyer, never failing to acknowledge the most important things in life. Grandpa pointed to the cold air. That's because the internet freezes before it gets to the home, he said. Sawyer's eyes got big. Whoa, really? No, now go knock on the door. Sawyer led the way down the path to the little leaning shack. After a moment of hesitation, he knocked. The sound of something big moved on the other side of the door, as if Sawyer had just awoken a sleeping giant. For a second, he could swear he heard the growl of a bear. But once the door opened a crack, it was a man's face in the gap. Both the twins were beyond relieved to see a man, not a bear, in the doorway, even if he looked like a combination of the two. The man's round face was tan with a long gray beard and gray hair over his shoulders. On top of his long, matted hair was an ushanka, a big, furry Russian hat. The man looked at them with one eye squinted. Kudos said the man. Grandpa stepped forward. Buidrusha, he said. Buimoshim priti. The man looked them over with his one eye and then grunted before ushering them in. Grandpa, did you just say we're pretty? whispered Sawyer, stepping into the shack. Grandpa explained. He asked who was there, and I simply said that we are friends, and asked if we could come in. Inside the shack, the walls looked like they were leaning so much that Sawyer thought he could run up them. Along their rickety wood panels hung hunting trophies of every kind. Moose, deer, bighorn sheep, and there was even a gray wolf staged with its mouth open, baring its fangs at them. She did, said the man. Grandpa sat down on the big fur-covered bench next to the table. Sawyer and Susie followed suit. As they took their seats on the warm, furry bench, Grandpa leaned in and whispered to them. I'm going to ask him if he knows anything about the painting, he said. From that point on, the entire conversation was in Russian. Grandpa and the man laughed, and then they were very serious, and then they laughed again. And Sawyer was starting to wonder if Grandpa had forgotten all about their mission. But finally, Grandpa asked the man a question that sounded like the reason they were there. Boris, Grandpa said, G'day, nachodisha, zivopis. Susie knew he had just asked where the painting was, because the man's face turned red and his lips pursed. Following the gaze of his eyes, Susie could see he was looking at a big hunting rifle on the wall. 
Beneath it was a beautiful hand-painted Russian doll, the kind that you open up to find another doll, and you open that one to find another and another. Then it hit her. She frantically flipped open the guidebook to the new instructions. A person within a person, she read. The guidebook was talking about the doll. She had to get it, but how? Just then, the man barked something harsh. Ziatich! That didn't sound good, said Sawyer, looking for the quickest way out of there. Grandpa looked panicked. He said, get them! Sawyer looked around the room. Who's he talking to? Grandpa and Sawyer jumped up at the same time, but as Susie pushed off her right hand to help herself up, she felt two big fuzzy ears on either side of her hand. She slowly looked down, and to her horror, her hand was resting on the head of a massive brown bear. But that wasn't all. That head was connected to an enormous brown body that they'd been sitting on during the entire conversation. The giant bear stood, making the three of them trip over it. To the boat! shouted Grandpa, and they bolted for the door. Following closely behind, the furious bear roared after them. Its frothing teeth closed in on Susie's shirt as she ran, and in a split-second decision, she turned and grabbed the Russian doll before jumping out the door. The fragile door splintered behind them as the bear came smashing through it. It roared louder with every step. Susie couldn't believe how fast such a massive creature could be. You took my doll, shouted the man inside the hut. I understood that one, yelled Sawyer, jumping into the boat. Susie was the last one to jump in, and as soon as she did, Grandpa hit the throttle, and they sped out onto the water just as the bear came splashing in after them. Sawyer grabbed the sides of Susie's face. You really needed a souvenir from that place? Susie caught her breath and smiled. It's no souvenir. She popped the doll open and then popped open all of the smaller ones inside until she reached the very last one. With a little more effort, she twisted it open and pulled out a tiny piece of folded paper. Grandpa beamed. Susie, you did it, he said. Sawyer didn't look as impressed. Yes, yeah, Susie, you nearly got yourself killed for a wad of pocket lint. Susie unfolded the paper. It's not lint, genius. It's a note. A clue, said Grandpa. Sawyer leaned in. What's it say? I can't read it. It's in Russian. Grandpa? Grandpa took the note and read aloud. Thanks for the painting, Boris. See you next hunting season. Forever your comrade, Vlad. Grandpa struggled on the last word, almost saying it in a whisper. He looked up at them. We're going to Moscow. Right as he said it, a new instruction faded onto the guidebook's page. Susie smiled. We've got our next step. Getting to Moscow using the Globetrotter tickets was a cinch, and before they knew it, they were standing in Red Square, where the St. Basil's Cathedral towered over them. Much like the cathedral they saw in St. Petersburg, St. Basil's, too, had colorful ice cream cone tops to the towers. Susie shook her head. I still can't believe it wants us to stop for a meal, she said. Grandpa took the book from her. Let me guess, Bosco's Cafe? Yep. Well, let's get it over with so we can get the next set of instructions. They went inside the little cafe and were seated immediately. Grandpa ordered for them, of course, and it was while he was ordering in perfect Russian that Susie finally realized how odd it was that he knew the language. 
She guessed it wasn't any more odd than finding out he was once a professional surfer and hockey player, but she couldn't help but feel that every time she was with him, she was meeting someone new. Like every trip, they were peeling back a layer and getting to know the man they hardly saw when they were younger. Grandpa, she said, where were you when we were younger? We hardly ever saw you until our last couple of trips. Grandpa unfolded a napkin and set it neatly on his lap. I'm afraid you're living the answer to that question, my dear. You were gone all those years, literally traveling the globe? asked Sawyer. That's right. But I want you two to understand that for many of the trips, it was against my will. I love you both very much, and it pained me to no end having to miss much of your early childhood. For that, I'm truly sorry. Susie grew unsettled. What do you mean, against your will? Are you saying you were forced to use the globe? Grandpa looked over his shoulder to make sure no one was listening in. That is precisely what I mean. If it's all right with you, I'd prefer to discuss these matters in a more private setting. The waitress brought them their dishes. Before them were steaming hot plates of stroganoff, thinly cut sirloin steaks swimming in cream sauce and topped with mushrooms. In front of Susie was a bowl of pelmeni, Russian dumplings stuffed with minced pork and beef, and to top it all off, they ate a delicious eight-layer honey cake. Um, excuse me? Sawyer asked, calling the waiter over to the table. Where is bathroom? he asked in a pathetic Russian accent. The waitress smiled. Past the corner to the left, take another left, then a right, two more lefts, walk by the bakery, go into dark hallway, it'll be fourth door on your right, no left. It is on the left. Sawyer looked up at her dumbfounded. I can hold it. Don't be silly, Grandpa said. If you've got to go, now's the time. So Sawyer got up and hopelessly wandered around the cafe, opening up random doors until he could find the bathroom. Miraculously, he found the dark hallway which he walked through until he got to the fourth door on the right. He opened it and of course it led outside to the back alley. But before he could close it, he noticed a couple of suspicious men exchanging a covered painting. The man loaded the artwork into the back of a delivery truck and then jumped into the front seat. Um, guys? Sawyer looked behind him to see if Grandpa and Susie were close, and of course they were not. Oh, man, he said under his breath. He ran up to the back of the truck just as it started and jumped in. Meanwhile, Grandpa and Susie waited impatiently for Sawyer. Grandpa looked at his watch and then up at Susie. Does your brother have digestive problems I should know about? Susie shrugged. I don't know. I don't think so. He's probably just... A bizarre scene out the cafe window cut her short. What the... She stood up and walked over to it to get a better look. Speeding around the front of the cafe was a delivery truck, its rear cargo door stuck half open, and there was a boy holding onto the back bumper for dear life. It's Sawyer, she said. Grandpa grabbed her arm and bolted out the door. Parked just outside was a black Ducati motorcycle. With incredible speed, Grandpa threw on the helmet, handed one to Susie, and jumped on. He slapped a stack of cash onto the post where it was parked and then kicked the engine on. Susie couldn't believe what she was seeing. Grandpa? Grandpa revved the engine and peeled out before zooming through the plaza after the truck. In and out of cars they sped, blurring past the old buildings and shouting pedestrians. 
At this point, the delivery driver noticed the trailing Ducati behind him, and he put his foot on the gas. Every time he swerved around the corner, Sawyer's dangling body nearly launched off the back bumper. What was I thinking? Sawyer cried, holding on for dear life. Grandpa narrowly cut between two cars and jumped a steep curve, making them soar over a couple eating lunch. After a few more nail-biting turns, the delivery truck roared through the gates of the Kremlin and into the Alexander Gardens. It skidded over patches of colorful flowers and then braked hard, making Sawyer launch into the back of the truck. Grandpa swerved to a stop behind it. Get your brother, he said as he threw off his helmet. Susie ran to the back of the truck to see if Sawyer was okay. To both their amazement, he was. The delivery driver climbed into the back of the truck and grabbed the painting. He stepped out, holding it in one hand and holding a can of black spray paint in the other. The painting, Matisse's Harmony in Red, was a picture of a woman sitting at a table in a red room. Sure, it was pretty, but Sawyer didn't think it was worth all the trouble they'd been through. Honestly, he thought if he'd been the one holding the can of spray paint, he could probably make it look a little better. This man, however, held the spray can up with the intention to destroy the painting. Well, well, look what we have here said the man. Grandpa scowled as he recognized the tour guide from the museum. Victor? That's right. I told you, you touch painting, you die. You stray from group, you die. You die, you die. You step closer, painting dies. He held the spray paint up to the priceless work of art. Grandpa raised his hand out. You wouldn't dare, he said. Victor shook the can of spray paint and held it closer to the painting. Wouldn't I, he said. I do what I do for my country. He looked at Susie. Oh, Susie, the bedwetter. Bedwetter? Susie asked. That's right, you wet the bed. Oops, I sorry, I say out loud. Don't like? Too bad. Victor hacked your email and sent embarrassing news to all friends. Oh. I'm the bedwetter, shouted Sawyer. Susie hasn't wet the bed in years, you coward. Susie patted his back with a smile. It's okay, Sawyer. I wasn't offended. Besides, I've never used email, so he's obviously lying. What? Victor shook his can of spray paint. Lies! All American use email! He aimed the spray paint at the work of art and started to press down. But just as he did, Grandpa pulled the points of his red shirt's collar, and two top buttons shot out and stuck Victor in the arm. Immediately, Victor's eyes rolled back and he collapsed onto the grass in a deep slumber. Sawyer and Susie looked at their grandpa with gaping mouths. Grandpa played with his cuff. It's my lucky shirt. I was wondering when you'd return, Agent Keep Boone, came a voice by the flowers. Nearby, a man patiently pruned the roses. I really need to be more picky in my hiring process. He let us write to you, Vlad, said Grandpa, and he drove through my flowers and said it was for his country. The man clipped off another yellow rose. He stood and turned to face them. There, standing before them, was Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. "'What do you want with a painting, Vlad?' asked Grandpa. President Putin handed Susie the rose and then smiled. "'I just wanted it for my ping-pong room, Kip.' Grandpa shook his head. "'Don't kid yourself. You haven't played a game since I beat you during the Cold War table tennis tournament.' You cheated! You held a paddle like this! Putin mimicked a weird gesture with his hands. Okay, he relented. I lost a bit. 
I thought we could make an election in Europe turn out a certain way, but I lost. President Putin struggled to look Grandpa in the eye. We're taking the painting, Vlad, Grandpa insisted. Be my guest, Putin said with a shrug. Then he flinched and his eyes rolled back before he collapsed asleep among the roses. Grandpa held on to the points of his collar. Two more of his buttons were now missing. Sawyer threw his hands up. What'd you do that for? He said we could take it. Grandpa shrugged. What? We don't want him sicking any more of his agents on us on our way back to the museum, do we? He smiled. Besides, I owed him one. Together they took the painting and headed back to the Hermitage Museum, where they snuck into the back and restored the painting to its rightful place. Grandpa looked down at his watch. Heavens, it's nearly time! Quick, follow me! They rushed through the long museum hallways until they reached the famous peacock clock. It actually looked nothing like a clock. It was more of a golden sculpture of a peacock perched on a tree next to a golden rooster and a golden owl surrounded by bells. Sawyer looked around the room. Um, Grandpa, where's the clock? Grandpa pointed at the peacock. Watch, he said quietly. The three of them stood before the statue, and then right on the hour the little bell started to chime and rotate around the owl, whose head swiveled mechanically on its shoulders. Then, above it, the grand golden peacock stretched its neck as its beautiful metal feathers lifted and spread behind it. It was the most magnificent mechanical clock they'd ever seen, a cuckoo clock on steroids. The room grew dark as the clock's chimes echoed around them. Pretty soon they were surrounded by black nothingness until sunlight broke through and illuminated Grandpa's library. Never had the cold, damp room been a more welcome sight. We made it, said Susie, throwing her arms around Grandpa. Sawyer plopped down onto the big leather chair and let out a sigh of relief. Grandpa, however, still looked troubled. Susie looked at his anxious face. Grandpa, what's wrong? You got us home. Indeed, he whispered. After a moment, he looked at her with tears in his eyes. What have I done? I should have... I should have never let you into this room. He started to speak through his teeth. I should have locked it up and thrown away the key. Grandpa, don't worry, Sawyer said. We're not going to use it anymore. I think it's safe to say we've learned our lesson. Susie nodded. Yeah, Grandpa, we promise we'll never play with the globe again. Grandpa shook his head. It's not that simple. Remember what we were talking about back in the cafe? About having to travel the globe against my will? The look on Grandpa's face and the tone of his voice gave Sawyer and Susie a sick feeling. Grandpa continued. It wasn't long ago the globe had chosen me. At first to simply see the world and appreciate it for what it was. But then something changed. The instructions started to change. The globe was sending me on missions. Tasks that at first were simple and seemingly meaningless. But that was only to train me, to prepare me for the bigger challenges that awaited. Pretty soon it was sending me all over the world, completing missions that would save hundreds of thousands of lives, maybe even millions. And I had no choice but to carry the burden and complete each one. For when I didn't, the globe would trap me in its destination or worse, freeze the world around me so that I couldn't experience life until I accepted and completed the mission. When I was done, I was free to live my life. But once it started to spin again, I had no choice but to heed its call. Tears streaked down Grandpa's face. 
and now it is called you. You have touched it, and it has deemed you worthy of its missions. It is no longer me it needs. It has chosen the two of you. Susie and Sawyer stood paralyzed before their grandpa, not knowing how to react to the news. Susie thought of all the danger they had been put through since entering the globe and imagined it only being a training for what perilous journeys awaited them. Sawyer thought about all the time he'd miss playing with his friends. He also thought briefly about all the time he'd miss from school, but that was overshadowed by him remembering how terrifying it was dangling off the back of that delivery truck. Both of them thought about their parents and how they would tell them. Grandpa wiped his tears. Look at me, I'm a babbling mess. Don't worry, this isn't forever. The globe will choose others sooner or later, but for now, I will do my best to assist you in any way I can. But the globe will likely not let me attend all of your missions. Now, I understand you two have a soccer game this weekend, right? Let's grab your things and try to get you home in time. Together they packed and loaded the old car, a rusty Ford Thunderbird. Grandpa fixed them snacks for the drive and changed out his red secret agent shirt before leaving. The car pulled out of the driveway and drove down the tree-lined road. Back in the library, the globe creaked. The dark wood sphere slowly started to turn on its axle, making the countries rotate. It turned and turned and turned and turned until it was spinning. Hey there, Rocketeers. This is your host, Greg Webb. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the podcast and for all the great feedback. If you have a minute, write me at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on our contact page on the website and let me know how it's going. Tell me what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear in the future, what your favorite food is. Mine's barbecue. It's better than your favorite food. I'm all ears, and I'm here to keep you happy. Also, don't forget to check out the lessons under each episode. If you haven't been following along, you're missing out. There's a lot of great stuff in there that expounds on each story, so don't miss out on those. And lastly, if you have another minute, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and leave a great review on our podcast. It'll be greatly appreciated, and it'll help others discover the stories that you enjoy. Thank you again, Rocketeers. We'll see you next Monday.